0: Good morning, church. Good morning. It is uh, good to be in the traditional service and good to be at Platte Woods this morning. Uh, as your bishop, I do bring greetings from the Nine Methodist Church across the state of Missouri and the Missouri Andrew Conference. And on any given weekend, there are 570 churches that are worshiping in some form or fashion, all kinds of times and styles and ways, but all with one thing and one mind and purpose, and that is Jesus Christ. And there's, as Evie said, there's about a little over 400 clergy that uh, go to those, those 550 churches, and that's my task to figure out who goes where. Uh, other than that, I don't have much to do. Uh. <laughs> it is great to be here. I've been to Platte Woods before uh, as bishop, and before that, my other job, and good to be in your presence. I, too, uh, this week, as some of you know me, I am a deep Kansas City Chiefs fan. Um, I am from south of Kansas City, I was born in independence, so Kansas City's home, and when we retire in four years it'll be back towards the Kansas City area. It just broke my heart to see this, especially in such a great celebration and Kansas City's managed to pull these events off for years here without any trouble. Almost like we were not like the rest of the world. And then last Wednesday, of course, we figured out we are like the rest of the world. And gun violence erupted and It just broke my heart for the people and for the city, and that we continue to have this um, and we've normalized it, something that shouldn't be normal. And so we're in prayer and we need to do something about it. And we just can't keep saying that's just the way it is, but we need to do something about it. And I grew up in a country, a little town, Creighton, Missouri down here. I grew up with guns in the house and I have shotguns, but nowhere in my life or my parents' life would we have ever thought about taking such weapon to a crowd. It would just never have even crossed my mind. Yet we do this today. So we need to be a people of action and prayer because we need to make changes in Missouri and across the state, or we're going to keep killing people. And we're lucky we didn't kill six or seven children. We're just lucky. So friends, we all need to stand together and make a difference and make a change. So let me pray for us before we start. God, has asked for your Holy Spirit to come. Help us to be people of courage and people of action to make a difference in our communities, to help our community and our families and our individuals and our teenagers to know that the first action when we're upset is not a gun. Lord, help us for we seem not to be able to help ourselves. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So when Evie uh, called, we set this up about six months ago because my schedule's out that far that she wanted me to preach, we said, fine. And then two weeks ago or three weeks ago, she said, oh, by the way, you need to kick off the sermon series. I said, I don't do sermon series. I've only got three, bis- uh, three sermons as the bishop. And I don't have time to be doing a sermon series, but here I am doing a sermon series. (laughs) Thanks, Evie. And um, I used to do sermon series, but we'll give this a go. I gave it a go last time, and it was about practices make perfect, or does it? Practices make perfect, or does it? And an interesting time. Most things, I like to have celebrations. Welcome to Lent! That doesn't even feel right, does it? (laughs) Welcome to Lent. Let's put some ashes on your head. And put on sackcloths. It's a very different season in this six weeks that we have. And it's not like most things we introduce. Lent is just a different moment. It's a different sequence. So it's a season of reflection of who we are and what should we practice. And in this case, what should we practice? What should we practice to find our meaning? I'd like to turn attention to a couple, three scriptures to start with. Colossians 2, 6, and 7. Since you have accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, live in union with him. Keep your roots deep in him. Build your lives on him and become stronger in your faith as you were taught and be filled with thanksgiving. Psalm 105, go to the Lord for help and worship him continually. And then Luke 6, one of my favorite in the Bible. You'll know it from Bible school. So why do you call me Lord, Lord, when you yet do not do what I tell you? "'Anyone who comes to me and listens to my words "'and obeys them, I will show you what he is like. "'He is like a man who is building his house, "'he dug deep, laid a foundation on a rock. "'The flood came, it hit it, it did not shake it "'because it was built well. "'But anyone who hears my words and does not obey them "'is like a man who built his house "'without laying a foundation. "'And when the flood hit the house, it fell at once "'and it was a terrible crash.'" May these words be good for you and me and for the hearing of our souls. So when he be called, I got to thinking about what is the difference between practices, which is a word more common for us, and habits. Do I, was the difference between habits and practices and disciplines? So I'll try to sort that out in my life. In fact, I just had this happen sometime this fall. Maybe you've done this. I'm 64 and I get up every morning and look in the mirror. Can I get a witness? And I got to confess, it isn't getting better every time I look in the mirror. And I look in the mirror in the morning and think, I do the same thing every morning. Anybody else have this problem? I'm not going to explain everything I do, but you know, I comb my hair, I brush my teeth, I shave, I take a shower, I go in, my wife doesn't get up, I go into the kitchen, I I make a biscuit and sausage, I drink a cup of coffee and then water, and I go off to work. And then the next morning... Anybody with me? I do it all again. Some mornings I've even tried to switch to a cereal, but then I make the sausage and biscuit anyway. It's my healthy breakfast that I eat every morning. <laughs> and I think to myself, so what is that? Is that a habit? Is that a practice? Is that a discipline? It feels like a habit, right? Something I came by naturally, and I can't even, after 64 years, I can't even break it. Well, we had our grandchildren at our house. We have two sets of them. One is two and three, and the other one is 11 and 12. We had the two and three-year-old, and the two-year-old is deaf, so I'm learning sign language and things, which has been a great new experience. But we had the two of them over. We can do this for about three days. Anybody with me? Can I get a witness? <laughs> Heavens. It is a young person's game. Um, and so on day two, my wife says, you need to Help your grandson brush his teeth. I can't get him to do it. And I look at her and say, why is that my problem, that I am the one to do this? So I think, what's the big deal? I brush my teeth every morning, so I drag the boy into the the bathroom, and he says, Grandpa, you got to have two steps. You don't need two steps, son. Yes, I do. I won't do it without two steps. So I go get a step stool. You know how you do, grandparents? Are you with me? I put one step. Grandpa, that's one step. Well, the two-step one's in the kitchen. You need to go get it. Grandma does. Gosh. So I go get the two-step and put him him up there, and, and 20 minutes later, anybody with me? I think we've brushed at least half the teeth in his mouth. And it hits me, well, maybe my routine in the morning wasn't so natural after all, right? Maybe somebody had to help me along the way to catch on. And I would contend to you that most of our habits or our practices are things that somebody else helped us catch on to. We did not come by it nationally. They may have taught it to us poorly, but it's what we got. And then I do think there's things as practices. i never forget, I went to a little elementary school back in the old days when you learned two by two on flashcards. Anybody with me? I did so poorly with mathematics, they tied me in my chair. They would not do that today, because I wouldn't sit still. I don't know what that problem was. And I never forget my mother saying to me, now, son, practice makes perfect. Anybody with me? I'm here to contend to you, that is not true. I, I love to play a trumpet in a band, and I'm here to tell you no amount of practicing would make me a first-chair trumpeter. In fact, I had to practice a lot just to stay in the band. I wanted to play in a jazz band really badly. I just couldn't do it. They put me in the marching band, six people down, so that you wouldn't necessarily hear me. <laughs> practicing did not make perfect. Now, in football, I, one reason I love Kansas City Chiefs, I love football. Football actually helped me find some meaning in my life, and their practicing did make a difference. And I thought I was going to be a football player all at five, nine, and 167 pounds wet in high school. I know it did not look like it today. But there it did matter. But it still didn't make me perfect. It made me better. So when Evie asked me about this topic of disciplines to find our purpose, I thought, huh, well, what disciplines do help us find our purpose? Are you with me? What are the things that you and I practice or can practice in our spiritual lives in the regular everyday routine of our life that lends me in closer to God or closer to other or actually helps me find spirituality? But I gotta confess to you, for the first probably 10 or 15 years of my ministry, I entered when I was 18, I really had a guilt trip from all the seminary folks and everybody else that my spiritual practices didn't really count. They weren't the ones everybody said, you need to do these. If you do these, you'll you'll become more spiritual. I would do these and nothing happened. I mean, I was guilty for years. And you know, I turned to the traditional ones. Some of you will know these books, Evie and I do, from Richard Foster. I've read it twice. You know, and and there's some real value here. And Richard Foster says there, there are inward Disciplines that get you there like, and I'll just check, see, in your own mind, check these off. Inward discipline. Meditation, I don't do that very well. Praying, sort of. Fasting, not. Study, hard. For me. That's the inner discipline. The outer disciplines, he says, are simplicity, not. Solitude, not. Submission, uh, maybe. Service, I can do. Are you with me? And then there's corporate discipline. These I do better on. Uh, Corporate confession, you did it this morning. Worship, I love worship to do worship. Guidance, I love that. And I love celebrating things. Are you with me? So I, I win at one third of what he says you ought to do. And then you turn to John Wesley, our founder, and he has a very strange name for this, where he says you need to follow the ordinances of God. First off, how do me view other than text sample, knows what the ordinances are. <laughs> what a strange word. Are you with me? Can I get a witness? What in the world? Give that to your teenagers and see what they tell you. What is an ordinance? Which basically is to follow something. And Wesley says if you want to get closer to God or lean in to that, you need to be in public worship, which you're doing today, Holy Communion for Him as often as possible. You need to hear the word, you need to preach the word, you need to have family and private prayer need to study the scripture yourself. You need to have fasting and abstinence. And often Wesley added, acts of mercy and justice. And all those are fine. And if those work for you, I'm good. My question to you for this Lenten season is, what are the disciplines or what are the practices that help you find your purpose? No matter what somebody else does, are you with me? No matter what the ancients say, what are the practices that help you and I find our purpose? What are the practices that help you and I draw closer to God and to others? That story about building the house, I love it because I'm sort of a carpenter. When I was in school, I wasn't much of an academic, so they sent me to carpentry school. Anybody do that? That's where they sent the C students in where I was at, which is what I'm proudly C student. So I went to carpentry for two years. I love carpentry, and over my 45 years of marriage, we've been in several houses, and we've rebuilt several houses. We've built a couple of houses, and I love to build stuff, and we're about to build another one for my retirement, because I said, I'm not overhauling into somebody else's house again. The thing about it, I like about carpentry is, you can't really take a shortcut. Oh, you can, but it always shows up down the road. Any of you ever remodel a house? Going to get a witness? You'll learn quickly when you open up a wall, you never know what you're going to find. Am I right? In fact, you see the shortcuts that happen. And if it doesn't, you just don't find it. If a house lives long enough, it will show it to you. Just this week, it happened at my house, a shortcut. We have a slider on the back deck. It doesn't have a name on it anywhere, doesn't say what brand it is, are you going where I'm going? And we've lived there now six years, and last week I pulled the handle off of it. It just came out, came apart on a slider. So I take it all apart, I look at it, I don't recognize any parts, it doesn't look like anything at Home Depot, I don't see any replacement parts that fit it, there's no numbers on it, I have a real carpenter come and tell me, what am I missing? He says, I think somebody took a shortcut and you're not going to get one of these. I said, well, great. What do I do? You know the answer? Buy a new door. No, no, no. I just want to buy a handle. He says, you ain't going to get that handle's an odd duck. That shouldn't be there. That's a shortcut. You see, shortcuts always... Show up. Maybe not on day one, but they show up. And that's true in our spiritual lives. When we take shortcuts, I've taken shortcuts, they show up. The story says, you're going to have a storm. It didn't say you might have a storm. There could be a storm. What did it say? You're going to have a storm. Now, how's the house built? How is your house built? The other way to look at this is 1 Corinthians tells a different story, trying to get at the same point from 1 Corinthians 9. Surely you know that many runners take part in the race, but only one of them wins the prize. Run, therefore, in such a way as to win the prize. Every athlete in training submits to a strict discipline, one that will help them last forever. That is why I run straight to the finish line. That is why, like a boxer who does not waste any punches, I've hardened my body with blows. I keep it under control. I keep myself from being disqualified after others have done so to finish the contest. Now, that's a pretty hard, hard, high bar. I'm not sure I've qualified for all that. But I do understand that life is a run. In fact, life is a marathon, quite frankly. In fact, ministry is a marathon. When I went into ministry, I was telling Evie, I'm a sprinter. I know it doesn't look like it, but I'm a sprinter. I hate marathons. In fact, when I see people run marathons, I, I think they're unhappy. They look like they're just unhappy people to me. So if I'm going to be unhappy, I want to do it for a short period of time. So I'm going to run a marathon. Now, I like to bicycle, but I don't like to run. And so this one is funny. But the truth is, life I'm 64 is a marathon. The truth is, this is my 45th year in ministry in Missouri. Ministry is a marathon. Being church is a marathon. It's actually not a sprint. There are moments where you do sprint. Evie's about to sprint through Lent because it's a very busy time. But the truth is, then you're not done. It's a marathon. And when you run a marathon... You just have to train differently. But friends, we are in a marathon. So the question then becomes: In this Lenten season, is a good time to look at it. What are your practices? What are your practices to run the marathon? What are your practices to lean in closer to God? What are your practices to lean in leaning closer to others? What are your practices and my practices to find our purpose, so that we might look back one day and say, "Well lived." We might look back one day and say you leaned in towards God and you leaned in towards others. I've always uh, read John 14, 6 different than the rest of them. I see it as as a way to do life. I am the way. Do you know this one? I am the way. Help me. I am the way and the truth and the life. Do you know it? Say it with me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I've always read this that Jesus said that he was the way, right? So I need to find the way so I might find the truth. Are you with me? And if I find the truth, which is hard to come by today, by the way, (laughs) then I might find abundant living. You don't find abundant living first. You find the way. What is your way? What is Jesus' way? So that you might, in fact, find the truth so that, in fact, you might have abundant life for all. So, what are the practices that you and I need to practice all year long, but especially during Lent, that we might find the way? Now, I want to remind you a couple of things. Wesleyan, us Wesley people, is, we talk about going on to perfection, but I remind you that is perfection in reaching Christ-likeness, not perfection in behavior. If I have to find perfection in behavior, I am toast. Anybody else with me? I mean, I'm just toast. But that's not what Wesley meant. Wesley means you need to find perfection, strive for perfection in love, in Christ-likeness. It's not in behaviors. So like I said, my first half of my ministry, I felt bad about my ministry. In fact, just about four or five years ago, I had a very good clergy friend of mine say to me, his bishop, why don't you come take a spiritual retreat with me? I said, well, okay, what are you going to do? He says, I'm going to go sit at a monastery in silence for 30 days. My response was, just shoot me. (laughs) You've got to be kidding me. I'm not doing that. You go have fun. That's just not me. Now, years ago, I'd have felt guilty about that. Oh, my gosh, what is wrong with me? I should be able to sit quietly like in a monastery, right? I'm a a bishop for pity's sake. I've learned along the way, it's not important what your disciplines are. It's important you know what yours are. Did you hear me? Not what somebody else's is or what works for somebody else or even what the classics say, though, they're fine. I want to know what are the three or four practices that you need to do or I need to do that draw you closer to God or draw you to closer to others or help you find a life well lived? What are yours? Now, I can sit quietly, but not in a monastery. My, my favorite place in my world is to walk, I, I, we own 10 acres, is to walk outside. Anybody with me? And just be I don't have to say a word. I to reading my Bible in the morning in little short sections, but not all at once. One of my, my great spiritual discipline took a long time to get comfortable with it. is just simply music. Anybody with me? All kinds of genres of music. I want to tell you, I got to go to the Eagles concert last Tuesday in St. Louis. Anybody been to an Eagles concert? Do you know what I'm talking about, anybody? I'm a 70s rock and roll kid. I mean, I cried. It was supposed spiritual. And the woman next to me cried. I didn't know who she was. Of course, we're both over 60. There's something about music. Anybody with me? It just gets my soul. Whether it's, I don't care what it is, what kind. I like to listen to all kinds. But, and sometimes like to listen to it quietly. And other times I go down the road with loud rock and roll. It took me a long time to get comfortable with what my spiritual practices need to be, not copying somebody else's. Are you with me, church? So my challenge to you for the next six weeks is, find yours. Don't try to copy, It may, maybe one works for you if you need to copy it, but find what yours are. I mean, I can do quiet time on the fishing boat I love to go on a boat. I love water. And I, don't ha- I can sit on water for hours by myself. I don't catch many fish anyway, so just by myself. I love that. And I love the music. What are yours? What are your spiritual disciplines? And don't get shook up that it's not the same as somebody else. Don't let somebody put you down. Because your spiritual disciplines are not the same as the classics. Are you with me? Doesn't matter. What matters is that you're practicing spiritual disciplines that help you become a better person. Because isn't that not the end of the game? That when it's all said and done, you can look back and say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Not just you, but you are able through your life to point somebody else towards Christ. I'm going to land this plane. Maybe you have this happen. I get a lot of phone calls. I get a lot of emails. I get a lot of advice as the bishop—more advice than I've ever had in my entire life in a week. And uh, I don't know if you do this. Every now and again, I—I I left my phone. I reached. You got your phone? You've lost yours too. I reached down in my pocket when the phone's ringing, I don't know if your cell phone, it tells me who it is, Evie Martin. And I think to myself, oh gosh. I think I'll let that go to voicemail. Now you know I'm teasing about Evie. Did I have you give her appreciation of how much good work she's doing here? Let's do it. Now, you're probably better than I am. I'm sure you don't ever look at your phone and go, you know, I just think I'll let that go to voicemail. Because I know that's not going to be life-giving. Are you with me? And other times, somebody will ring up on my phone and they'll pop up, and I can't wait to answer it. Are you with me? Do you have one of those? Because I know when I answer that, it is going to be a life-giving call. It is every time. And I can't wait to hear them. I can't wait to have my spirit picked up by their spirit on the phone. Can I get an amen? Here's my question to you. Which are you? Are you the life giver or the life taker? You see, I want our spiritual practices to lend us to be somebody who is a life giver. When you look at that phone call, you go, oh my gosh, I can't wait. I think it's true about churches. Somebody asked me, Bishop, what do you want our churches to be in this new world? We've been through a very difficult two years. And I said, I want our churches to be life-giving. Are you with me? Somebody said, what does that mean? You know what it means. You know when you see it. Can I get an amen? Amen. You smell it. You taste it. You know it. Am I right? When you walk in here and it's life-giving, or if you walk in some places and you can't wait to leave. There are some mornings, and it's not a plywood. I love coming to plywood. This is a life giving church. Thank you all. It really is. I go to some churches, I think it's a good thing. Yeah. I go to some churches, I think it's a good thing I get paid a lot of money because, man, this is not good. Somebody, you know, our biggest threat as a church isn't our issues, it's are we life giving or not? People need life-giving churches. You and I need life-giving people. And you and I need to be life-givers. One of the ways we get to be life-givers is in fact to learn and to practice what our spiritual disciplines are that lean us into God and lean us into others. May we find them and practice them In this season of Lent, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the church agreed and said, Amen.